The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know that the combined weight of every armadillo on Earth is greater than the combined weight of every human on Earth? However, it's not because there are lots of armadillos, but because armadillo bones are made of a hyperdense material called armadillite. That's also why armadillos are so short, but it's super rude to talk about that. <laughs> I, I did not. That. Yeah. For more armadillo-related facts and to unlock bonus content, please check us out at patreon.com slash club. Wheel of Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, and welcome to the Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. And today we're covering chapters 16 through 19 of Lord of Chaos, book 7, 6? I forgot. 1400. Yeah, book 6 of the Wheel of Time. Previously, Nynaeve and Elaine used the power of positive thinking to randomly teleport around Teleran Riyadh until they stumbled upon something useful in Ebudar. Time for another NDA road trip! While doing some casual dream spying, Egwene gets sucked into Gwyn's dream because they're so in love, <laughs> and they totally bang it out dream style, which I assume dream sex is better than regular sex because I'm pretty sure no one's first time is that spectacular in real life. So, <laughs> no comment. <laughs> we could have, if we got details about that, you know, Gawain might be a virgin. And so he could have been like in the dream, you know, putting his dick in her belly button. <laughs> right? But it's his dream. So she's super into it. Right? <laughs> she's like, yeah. Well, but she doesn't necessarily know either. Right? I mean, like, nobody's told her how it works, I assume. <laughs> also, a bunch of furniture comes to life and tries to kill everyone. And NDA's travel plans are temporarily quashed. Possibly because of NDA's enormous sass mouth. Chapter 16, Tellings of the Wheel. Icon of the Forsaken. So Rand starts this chapter meeting with all the good nobles in Andor that Morghais spurned when she was under Gabriel's control. And they seem like a much sharper group of people than the bad nobles that he's been hanging out with. These are the smartest nobles we've met yet, I think. Yeah, they kind of are. And I... Everybody's been saying in these books that the Andoran nobles aren't, they don't like to play games so much and they're kind of more uh, noble, I guess. But these ones actually seem to be. And they're, in general, they're all waiting for Elaine to come back before they will come back and be nobles again. Mm-hmm. They come back out of exile. I don't blame them. Yeah, I don't blame them. They're kind of like, screw you, dude. And th- some of them want to put Lady Dielin in charge, but Lady Dielin won't do it. Because she wants Elaine to be in charge, the heir of Morghais. Mm-hmm. And probably because, you know, she can read a history book and see what's happened to the last, like, five queens of Andor. Yeah. Not a, not a great track record there, huh? No. So I guess all of this is because Rand is super fixated on handing Andor over whole and unharmed, is the way he says it. And it seems like the kind of gift that's going to get you laid, though, you know? That's, yeah. So Rand is spot that, on here, that's right? That's pretty baller. Here's your kingdom. Yeah, just, uh, hey, you know, just going <laughs> to... Hand to this kingdom. You know, I polished it up a little bit. It was pretty nice. <laughs> Took care of it. <laughs> and I think this is evidence that Elaine's place is not at the White Tower. Elaine's place is here. Because there's a lot of strife in the world that could be ameliorated. And they could, they could like, send a tutor to teach her more Aes Sedai stuff here. It's a little odd to me that they wouldn't even consider 
doing this thing that's really good for the world. They would, they would always keep their hooks in Elaine. Yeah. Well, yeah. especially because they have her doing dumb stuff too. They do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she's inventing things and that's really, really important. But we also literally just had a scene where she was scrubbing pots. Like mm-hmm. she could go be queen of her people or be inventing more things. Yeah. But, right. Yeah. You know, she was teaching novices too, which is kind of basic. Yeah. I, I like this. I, I like how they set this whole meeting up. Uh, Miranda has this super intentional precision about everything that he's done. Um, it it kind of shows that at least in his thoughts, he's he's very different. He's 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 changed as a character. You know, he's he's strategic. He's he's savvy to some degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, throughout these chapters, you see him mentally quoting Moraine. And while it didn't seem while Moran was alive that he was listening much, you get the impression that he absorbed a lot of this maneuvering that, that she's... Okay, if, if we had rolled in on this character basically the way he is in this book, do you think he would be more or less interesting? I don't know. Yeah, why? I'm just curious because he's such a different character now. Yeah, uh, I mean... I, and I, I, I kind of feel like a character that was doing what he was doing would be a ago. cool character. Yeah. Like from the beginning, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, if he had always been like this? Well, yeah, but he couldn't always be like this. So I'm just wondering, because I kind of feel, I'm really bored with Rand right now. And every time we come to one of his chapters, I'm sort of like, oh, come on. He's just going to dick around, talk to some nobles, and then nothing's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. But I wonder how much of that is because I'm used to him teleporting around, having wizard battles and stuff. I'm sure that that's going to come back, you know? But But you're right. I mean, if the book were more wizard battles and less... Like Rand listening to his clerk rattle off details about their. By the way, unsung hero, right? Like Nori, the the clerk. Yeah, yeah, he's really solid. Like R- Rand needs people like this because he's not doing this shit. <laughs> right. Nori's just like, well, here's uh, how much money we need, and here's yeah. the price of turn. Here's something. how many carts we have. Here's how many beans we've got. Yeah, yeah. The politicking is just boring in general. It is. Yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm yeah. I'm. I feel the same way. I see a Rand chapter. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna hunt for Davram Bashir and see if he does something cool. <laughs> I do think it's. Uh, I mean, this is. This doesn't save much in that regard, but I do think it's kind of funny how Lusteran is like inserting himself into conversations, and he's like, he hasn't had anyone talk to for like three thousand years, so his like his interjections are, you know, a little funny. <laughs> he's just like randomly like, hey, where are all the dead? Why won't they be silent? And you're like, oh, Luce Theron, you joker. <laughs> <laughs> so Rand has a chat after this meeting with the nobles where they kind of tell him to get stuffed uh, with cousin Dielin, who's Morgase's cousin. Yeah. Who is a brave woman. She is, yeah. She sort of is very straightforward with him in a way that almost nobody is, you know, because he's an insane wizard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is she the one who who lists all of the the rumors about him, just like really matter of factly? Yes. Yeah, which I think is kind of cool because you know some of those rumors are not that far off, really. Mm-hmm. You know, but but yeah, I mean, like you can tell that she expects that this could lead to some sort of like repercussion for her. Yeah, she also does this thing that nobody has done yet, which is they she tells Rand that he looks a lot like Tigraine. Yes, which is super interesting. She yeah. finally drops the penny to Rand about who his mother is. Yeah, his his lineage has always been pretty mysterious, but this is this is a big deal, right? Like, yeah, yeah, because he he thought his mother was a strange Aiel or wetlander that became an Aiel, mm-hmm. and now he's found out that his mother is Tigraine, the would be queen of Andor who disappeared 
20 years ago or 21 years ago, whatever the math is. So if Rand were a woman, he'd be like the daughter heir of Andor, essentially. Like he'd be next in line for it. would, yeah. Although there's been a whole succession since then. So That's maybe, true. who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows what the rules are? But technically, according to the success, yeah. yeah. But yeah, there's, she gives him a history lesson about Tigraine and Luke, who also disappeared, rode up to the Blight, and Guitara Moroso. Yeah, who, who I don't think we've heard much about her up until yeah, now. She's right? the one that made the prophecy, right? Right, mm-hmm. originally. So this is like, I found this a little anticlimactic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Robert Jordan has been sowing the seeds of this since the first book. Right. And then Dylan just sort of lays it out for him, and it's sort of meaningless. He's like, oh, well, now I know that, but it's not going to change my plans or anything. Yeah, I was disappointed they couldn't have done it in a sort of mystical way, like they did at Ruidian, like, or so, or some sort of flashback right, yeah. or something. The bottom line of that is that Rand is the son of Tigraine, the former queen of Andor, or no, the former daughter heir of Andor. She was never queen. Right. So he's theoretically ahead of Elaine in the succession. Except he, you can't, as a male, you can't take oh, the Yes, throne, that's right. right. So, he, so he's not really. If he were born a woman, he would be the, the next in succession, I guess. Yeah. But that, so what I kind of expected was there was going to be some business where the nobles were like, oh, now we know that you're Tigraine's son, so you should be the rightful king of Andor. You know, Grand Althor, king of Andor. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, 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 I don't want that. I'm like Aragorn. I don't care about king stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and but he, that didn't happen at all. He's just like, oh, that's that's irrelevant information. Yeah, yeah, it's very anticlimactic. The one thing I did find interesting is how strong of a role Guitar Morosos played in everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I think he, he lays it out pretty clearly. Uh, basically, she's the one who tells Tigraine to, to get out of town and, and basically says, if you don't go tonight without telling anyone. Yeah. <laughs> It's a little bit deus ex machina. Well, uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, she tells Tigraine, you have to go be a maiden of the spear. Yeah. She tells Luke something. We don't know what, because he went off in the blight and disappeared. Right. And she eventually tells Moiraine and Swan that the re- the dragon reborn has been reborn. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I actually kind of buy this, because I'm kind of a sucker for this, you know, the pattern weaving thing. And I always think foretelling is sort of the pattern being inelegant in its weaving, right? Yeah. It's just sort of reaching in and just making a, a change, an arbitrary change to people's lives because mm-hmm. it just sort of needs things to be that way. And usually it weaves things a lot more subtly than that, but every once in a while it just yanks a thread. So wait, could could you argue that guitar is like a, not a strong one, but to some degree a end? Right? Because I mean, she, she kind of does, right? Like she, yeah. so she does this, she, essentially the whole reason that the Aiel War happened is because Tigraine disappeared, which broke the, the link between Andor and Kyrian, which caused Lamont to do his little... Yeah, I don't get why that happened. Lamont's pride. Yeah, yeah. it was something about his Lamont's pride. It's, his pride in ruling in Kyrian is what caused him oh, to make that Oh, maybe he wouldn't throne. have been the ruler if he... It's something like that, yeah. yeah. Anyway. But anyway, but yeah, basically the Aiel War is because the guitar told Tigraine to yeah. go. It makes me wonder, maybe there's some rules that the pattern has to follow. Like, maybe the Dragon Reborn has to be born on Dragon Mount, and the pattern's like, and I want him to be an Aiel. So, crap, how do I get Aiel to Dragon Mount? Oh, I've got an idea. Let's just start a big old war. <laughs> Where do I need the war to be? Okay, Kyrian? Yeah, let's do it. How are we going to get the... Yeah, but the man, the Aiel love Kyrian in, though, because of the whole water thing. Well, what if they what if they burn that stupid tree that the Aiel are so crazy <laughs> maybe about? Maybe even like further back than that, right? It's like, I'm going to need them to really hate these Kyrianans. So maybe like right after the breaking, he, the, the, the pattern caused the Kyrian and to give them the water, which caused them to give the tree back. And 
it's all part of the plan. <laughs> I mean, if you try and it's, it, yeah, if you try and trace this back to like initial causal events, then yeah, you have to go back hundreds, if not thousands, of years. So. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And Although that, uh, the the reason the Aiel were wandering was because one of the Aes Sedai had a foretelling, if you remember, during the breaking of the world. So that's, oh, that's the pattern, right. like separating them out already. That's right. Not to muddy the waters, but Tigraine's brother Luke. That's not the same as Lord Luke, who is fucking around in the two rivers, is it? That's a very good question you've asked. Okay. <laughs> we, it hasn't been explicitly said. We don't know who Lord Luke was. Yes, yeah. but except he's Slayer, right? Uh, yeah, he seems to be Slayer. Also, everybody that sees him says he looks just like Rand. Or that he looks just like... Some people say he looks like Land, too, in right? In the dream, he looks like Land. Yeah, it's weird. Oh, okay. In the real life, he looks like Rand. Assuming they are the same people, which they seem to be, because they seem to get the same arrow wounds. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. true. <laughs> Mysteriously. Crazy. Okay, so Luke is still around doing things. We don't know where he is anymore, right? He's not, I don't think he's still hanging around. Yeah, he, he, sort he of got out of off. town real fast after yeah. he got hurt. That was before the Trolloc fight? Yeah. Yes. Remember, because he was supposed to be there and help prepare yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, gone. who knows, right? But that, that definitely is an interesting connection, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Anyway, then, right after that, Rand gets a really creepy message from Samael. Yeah, I mean, like, I was like, huh, forsaken resorting to diplomacy, huh? <laughs> oh, man, this, this emissary sent is uh, pretty freaky. This is, uh, yeah, you're not going to win somebody over, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he sends a, a guy who's got this weird grin on his face that seems stuck there, and his eyes are scary doing that, you know, Robert Jordan thing where the eyes do something different than the face. And he's just grinning, and he's like, I got a message for you. And then when he asks for the message, like, he starts speaking in Samael's voice. Uh-huh. And he, Samael basically offers him a truce, right? Let's fight each other last. Yeah. And Rand tells him to get stuffed. Mm-hmm. He's like, fuck you, the Dragon D's coming for you. <laughs> That's right. Fuck your truce. You're on the tracks and the train's coming through, butthead. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then the messenger just bleeds out on the floor. <laughs> Yeah, and then... The, Literally bleeds out. Like, not out through every, cuts, but yeah, yeah like through pores. The blood comes out of his pores and he just dies. Yeah. yeah. And Ren's like, I guess that's... If I said no, that's what happens. This is how the message works. I just got... Yeah, like... And, and here's the thing, though. Like, if you put yourself in Samael's mind, you can kind of see what he's... He's like, okay, I need to get in this message. But, like, I don't want it to get messed up. So I'm going to have to make this guy say exactly what I want to say. But that's going to be really weird. What... I'll make him less threatening by making yeah. him smile. <laughs> it's like, okay, make him put a big grin on his face, right? And then, well, I mean, like, if, if Rand says, no, I don't really need him back, so I'll just well, put in a kill switch. It's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a real pain to, like, undo this smile magic, so I'll just have him die. <laughs> I like that even the Aiel who were there are taken aback by that. This is really, really creepy. <laughs> this guy is super and creepy. Honestly, this is totally upgraded Samael, in my opinion. Because I thought he was kind of the dumb guy. Mm-hmm. But this is pretty creative, honestly. Yeah, well, he's he's reaching out like that. And it's not just some dumb, like, I will battle you and I will best you or come join the dark side. Like, mm-hmm. he's trying to do it through diplomatic means, yeah. which is new and interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we do. We, I think we do know the what's happened on the back end of this. It's been a little bit now. But during the previous chapters, when we got to see Samael firsthand, there was some interaction that, that essentially meant that he had to make peace with Rand. Is that right? We, we know yeah, why he's Yeah, the Dark this. One says don't kill Rand. Okay, that's right. And he's not good at not killing people, so... 
And here's a question. Have they talked about prayers before? Because Rand says, go ahead and bury that messenger guy. A prayer will not hurt, even if it doesn't help either. And that surprised me because I don't think I'd heard about prayers before. Well, all their stuff is like to the light, right? Like I, I remember when the Shinarans die, there's a thing that you have to say about. Yeah, but do they ever call it prayers? Almost never, actually. They don't, they don't really use that word. Mm-hmm. I, I think you can probably call, you know, the... Uh, the light take you or the light illumine you or something, mm-hmm. a prayer, but you're right. Yeah. yeah, well, I think of a prayer as something that is directed towards a god. Mm. I think maybe they pray to the creator or to the one power or the pattern or something. I don't know. I mean, they, they, they seem... They don't have churches. Yeah, they don't. And I, th- I think we talked about the, the idea that religion is a little nebulous in this world, probably because essentially, you know, there's real the percentage of the people that are sort of demigods you know yeah they've got direct connection to to the real creator juice yeah Mm -hmm. but but they do still uh say prayers or say make requests to the creator in the light uh, interchangeably sometimes i'd say Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so rand heads away to kyrian uh, once again ignoring bashir and rand's secret plan that they had to do they've got a plan to do something with the the parading the troops I, I, and Rand keeps blowing it off. I couldn't tell if it was a secret plan or if it's just something that's supposed to boost morale. I think it's implied that it's, uh, on the surface, it's something to boost morale, but actually there's some actual secret thing going on here. Oh, okay, gotcha. That Bashir keeps trying to do, but Rand keeps blowing him off because he's insane. Yeah. And he's just like, nope, I'm going to fuck off to Karian. Yeah, chapter 17, the wheel of a life, icon of the dragon. So Rand travels to his special arrival room in Kyrian. Yeah, he's having a tough day, so he's like, no, I'm going to take a Kyrian vacation. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad they have these special arrival rooms so that he doesn't cut anybody in half. That's a really good idea. <laughs> Samael could take notes. Yeah, I know. He, <laughs> <laughs> it was on his way out that he did it, though, right? That's pretty rude. Yeah. I just, I'm, still, I'm still miffed about that. That was just <laughs> total party foul. <laughs> I know. It was like, what a waste, right? You know? And just, like, messed up her rug. Yep. And... In Kyrian, there's just tons of guards and servants everywhere. Yeah, he's accumulated the strangest array of people in, in Kyrian. It's mm-hmm. just like everywhere. People from all over. Mm-hmm. So throughout these chapters, I, is Rand visibly muttering every time he interacts with Luz Theron? Unclear. And who's going to say anything, right? Maybe Bashir, but Bashir like, he's probably doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he's already made clear his position on mad leaders. He's like, eh. It's fine. Yeah. I'm cool with it. Totally pro-insanity. What but, I think is kind of fun is yeah, that... I think Rand... I mean, no wonder everybody's terrified of Rand, right? If he's talking to himself constantly. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, so think of it this way. Everyone knows he's going to go crazy. Everyone assumes it's just going to happen. So the fact that he's going crazy is not like is not news exactly. They're just hoping he holds it together long enough to, you know, off the dark one before he goes. Mm-hmm. So if he is muttering to himself, they're like, yeah, it's, he's... Going crazy because you know that's what happens to every man who channels ever. Yeah. In fact, the fact that it's taken this long is probably bigger news than the fact that he's going crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's kind of cool that we get to see Barrelane kind of running the show. It we haven't seen up until now. I didn't have an understanding of why he put Barrelane in charge, other than like political maneuverings. But she's like a an entirely competent showrunner like she's mm-hmm. doing this you know yeah, yeah she's on top of things she is very capable i wish that we would have less discussion of her boobs but you know yeah mm. yeah she is managing the shit out of Kyrian. Mm. boobs or not 
But yeah, I, it's kind of interesting. I'm not exactly sure why that the Aiel respect her more than they respect any of the other wetlanders. There's some sort of understanding there that I don't think we know why it is. Specifically the wise ones, which is interesting. But maybe maybe they just see in her... For what see her for what she is, a uh, very intelligent, very capable woman. Yeah, I know, but she presents herself as kind of a, a bubble-headed uh, sexual manipulator, right? Which is, you know, we know is kind of for show, but I, I'm surprised that they were able to, you know, penetrate that so quickly. I don't know if I would agree that she presents herself as bubble-headed. I think she does act in a way that's sexually aggressive, and I think she probably does try to use her sexuality to manipulate circumstances, but... I don't know. I think those are things that the Aiel women might actually respect, though. Yeah, that's being that's a good point. Being a woman being sexually aggressive is not a problem in, in Aiel culture, right? Yeah. So they wouldn't yeah. be put off by that. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, and I don't I don't think we have any examples of her actually acting acting vapid exactly. You know? Yeah. Just seductive. I mean, yeah, she's like tried to come uh, on to Rand before. I mean, yeah, she does. It seems like she's always hiding her intelligence. You know, she's saying, oh, I I wouldn't know about war, my lords, blah, 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 blah. I think she's playing the game of houses. Might be. In her own own way, but yeah. But Berlaine's Berlaine's okay. Yeah, she seems trustworthy, but is she? Surely she can turn this to her advantage some way, right? I mean, he... he, I think Rand makes a point that this place is far enough away from... Her area, her land that she can't exactly like merge them. She can't conquer them exactly, you know. Mm-hmm. So yes, in from a trade perspective, but probably anything she does to turn this to her advantage would probably benefit Kyrian as well in some ways. And I don't I'm know. Really, this is thought. I'm really curious about what her future relationship with Perrin is supposed to be because we've gotten so much foreshadowing that deals with Perrin and the Falcon and the Hawk. So mm-hmm. I'm curious about that. Well, she she does ask about him literally at every opportunity. Sure. Do like how's Perrin doing? And uh, yeah, the Matt guy too. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in Kyrian, the young Kyrian are adopting and adapting Aiel customs. Yeah, this is this is interesting. So including a bunch of young noble women training as fighters. Would you say this is the fantasy equivalent of like a douchey frat boy wearing a Native American headdress? Yes. Like to Burning Man or I something. I think there's some cultural really? appropriation going on there. Uh, I disagree. The Aiel, the Aiel seem to think so. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I, I think it, I think it, cultural appropriation is only a problem if you're doing things that the people in the original culture can't do. You know, like if you're if you're benefiting from their culture in a way that they can't, which is not true here. I think this is more of a cultural assimilation thing. This is what happens when you've been conquered. Like, the, the young people are going to be more interested in living like the conquerors than they are their parents. I, I think that that is the Kyrian's interest. But for Aiel, a lot of these things are spiritual, religious, or, or important to their hierarchy, which means that to them, this is, like, di- like incredibly disrespectful. I mean, a great I example is... I, don't, I mean, I think they may see it that way, but that's because the Aiel are all kind of rigid assholes. I don't think it's disrespectful at all. It's not like they're joining their trying to join their seps and clans and stuff they're just training to fight well the thing is it's not just them training to fight and i'm fine with that and even with wearing the aiel outfits and things like that but they're trying to adopt jito which is the foundation of aiel culture and they're doing it badly and that to me is appropriation well they're trying though i i i I totally disagree because i I don't think that anything they're doing is harming the aiel in any way i think they're they're just adopting another culture and there's nothing wrong with that 
uh, I mean, even if they're doing it badly. But you know, that's well, the Aiel see it as doing it badly. But another way of looking at it that is they're combining their culture with the Aiel culture, and that's very normal. Yeah, I, I don't think the Aiel would be okay with that, but maybe that doesn't matter. I guess. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter. Right? Well, what, I mean, what about the idea of them wearing like the clan chief tattoo or something like that? Something that is in a in Aiel culture is like a, a is a distinct identifier for like a high, their hierarchy. But they're not Aiel. Why can't they get a tattoo? Right? I mean, some people here have dragon tattoos, right? No, well, I mean... He's not trying to appropriate Aiel culture unless he's playing the long game there. I, I mean, it, I guess why, why shouldn't they get the tattoo is because the Aiel will kill them for it, apparently. Well, that, that is a very good reason, actually, <laughs> yes. Uh, Which comes up because the one of Rand's buddies, one of the, his oldest like Aiel friends, has killed a Kyrianan for getting a dragon tattoo. Yeah. And he shows up and is like, yeah, I killed a guy with a dragon tattoo. Uh, yeah, that means I'm supposed to be hung, right? And Rand's like, yeah. And the guy's like, okay, tell me when and where. <laughs> no, it's, it's funny, too, because he's like, this is quite a puzzle, isn't it? On the one hand, that guy definitely deserved to die. But on the other <laughs> hand, I'm not supposed to kill him. <laughs> what should we do? And Rand's like, you have to die. He's like, okay, good. That's, that's, well, I guess that settles it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sad, honestly. It is sad. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I guess it's, I don't know if it's made better or not by the fact that Mangan is so accepting of it but it, it yeah it definitely it is definitely something Rand is not okay with but he has to be okay with I mean, what do you guys think should should Mangan die uh I think yeah I guess so I mean he, he committed murder right mm-hmm. he made the decision himself he did yeah yeah yep um and I just want to point out, it is adorable that Berlaine and Ruark share a study. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like divided in half down the middle, too. Yeah, I want to see that sitcom, seriously. It's so cool, yeah. Berlaine's got all her stuff on one side. Like and flowers and things. Like Yeah, like cool things. And, and Ruark's got all of his Aiel cushions and stuff on the floor on his side. And he's got like a big pile of books on the corner. It's like, yeah, it's, it's great. I love it. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, honestly, yeah. I would love to watch a show about Ruark and Berlaine ruling Kyrian together. <laughs> They get along so well, too. Uh, they also, they give him the news. And the news is there's another Nial rebellion, which Rand knows that those are spurred by Pedra and Nial, so that's, that's interesting. We also learn that the Shido have moved into the town permanently, which is yeah. kind of a big deal, right? They're settling. I, yeah, Aiel have never settled beyond the spine. The last time they were here, they were here to kill someone, they went back. Uh, this kind of tips the balances of everything, right? If Aiel settle in the middle of... This this race of super warriors settles in the middle of your mm-hmm. town. You can't un- dislodge them, right? Yeah, yeah. They're in East Kyrian, which is a... I think they mean this, the country of Kyrian, not the city. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, they're in the... I think they say the Kinslayer Daggers. Yeah, yeah. So are that's, just to the north. That's a big deal, because there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. There's like 100,000 of them still, probably. Yeah. And they're just there's going to be a new nation there. How's that going to work? Not great for anyone. The, I guess the only... Nice thing is that they've settled themselves in a place that is probably not well settled because it's, you know, in the mountains. Right, yeah. People don't and, live there. Well, I mean, if it was settled, it's not now. <laughs> it definitely isn't anymore. We also have some, we also hear some things about uh, the lands beyond the Aiel Waste. Yes, yeah, Shara. Though they, they say the name is difficult to pin down because everyone they talk to gives them a different name. Yeah, and everyone, everyone there lies all the time. What is yeah? What do you think that they're getting at there with this? I, I have no idea. It's a weird uh, factoid for those people. Yeah, now. but there's fighting, and they think the fighting is strictly because they heard about the dragon being reborn. Yeah, which could be or not. I guess it's hard to say. Yeah, but stuff like that seems to happen with Rand. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I like that he's like, fuck, another fucking place that I'm going to have to, like, rule over and conquer. <laughs> Motherfucker. He's like, yeah. he's like how, much this, how much of this world do I have to hold down here? Yeah. <laughs> Just put it on the list. We also get a throwaway reference to about a sea folk vessel, which has come up to Kyrian, which is very far from the sea. Is this probably the same vessel that we saw I'm in previous chapters? I'm guessing that it is, yeah. So it's probably going to meet Rand, right? We, we think, we, we suspect. Yeah, that, it seems like that's, that's what's going on. I think what Matt saw looked like emissaries. Yeah. This is uh, not really related to anything exactly, but I, I, there's a point on, in this one section where we get a, a sense of Rourke's idiom, it's funny because we, we spend so much time talking about like the way that Swan, all of her mm-hmm. her references are about uh, fishing and stuff. But Rourke's Ro- idiom is very reflective of the fucked upness of the wastelands. He says, um, the yellow fly is almost too small to see, but if you leave its eggs in your skin, you'll lose an arm or a leg before it hatches, if it doesn't kill you. Like, that's his <laughs> metaphor. He's just like, okay, well, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's really that gruesome. Sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so chapter 18, A Taste of Solitude, by kind of a rising sun, and a map. A map of Kyrian. And this is super cool, too, because we look at the map and everything is so laid out and orderly and geometric. Um, and we know that that's kind of reflective of the Kyrian and people themselves, right? They're very straightforward and they like things to be happen in certain ways. Yeah. So I think that's really cool when you contrast that to like Tanchico or Tyr, which right, are yeah. so different. Or Andor, where everything is flows with the land and and is has unexpected sight lines yeah even if you knew nothing else just looking at those maps i think you would learn interesting things about these places although later in this chapter he does say that there are there are no non-right angles in kyrian which is bs because i can see them on the map yeah i mean that that is definitely a rounded uh, palace right there for sure it is yeah it's interesting it's it's a a very detailed not necessarily informative but a very detailed map so Rand is tired of doing his job, so he takes a powder to go visit his school. Yeah, so he's got a mad scientist school in Kyrian. He's got murder wizards in Camelin. So uh, you know he's got he's got he's got a good thing going here, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I like this school better than the school of murder wizards uh, taught by the potential Forsaken. <laughs> he's probably a Forsaken. Let's be honest here. <laughs> it seems likely. But no, you're right. I, I, I agree. And I think that I, I like that we finally get an explanation for this, which actually seems pretty legit to me. His idea that he knows he's going to destroy the world, essentially. And he's like, well, if I'm going to destroy the world, I should create like repositories of the last vestiges of knowledge, I guess. Because I, I guess he's driven by this idea that uh, in the previous breaking of the world, they lost so much knowledge that is unrecoverable, right? Yeah, it it raises some questions for me, like... Where did he get this idea? Because they don't seem to really have schools. No, it's true. And also, couldn't he just like give him a leg up on some of this technological stuff with his Luce Theron knowledge? Uh, I don't know how much he actually directly absorbs from Luce Theron. I, I mean, yeah. some things he gets passively, right? We know that he randomly remembers things that are clearly coming from Luce Theron. Mm-hmm. But like, he seems pretty... Uh, he seems to reject a direct connection between himself and Lutheran, right? Yeah, but he could also send Matt over there, who has all kinds of memories, right? That is a good point. Mostly uh, war stuff, but... I wonder I wonder how much Matt remembers about old technology. Does he think he knows anything? You know, does he... You suppose any, any of his past lives ever knew how it worked? <laughs> Other than just using it on the battlefield. Right, exactly. You know, he, he's, he's a commander, <laughs> but he's like, that's, that's some of the guy's job to figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. But then again, how... I, I, I might just be not remembering... How far back his oldest memories are from Archer Hawkwing's time, right? 
Yeah, I think that's right. But it's still, this is a world in decline where everything's always worse. The nations are always smaller, the people meaner, you know? That's so true. even a thousand years ago, in Arthur Hawking's time, it might be good to have some of that knowledge. That's true. It's, this whole thing is surprising to me because this is very much a world in decline, a classic fantasy world where, you know, everything's getting worse gradually. And so this, this idea, the idea of making a school uh, sort of came out of left field for me. It's a great idea. So maybe, and there's nothing in the text to support this, maybe he got this idea from Luce there and he just didn't realize it. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe, I mean, I, I assume in the Age of Legends there were schools, right? Mm -hmm. So, oh yeah, we know because there were, there were teachers because... Was it, uh, what's her name? One of the Forsaken? Simaraj, I think. Oh, yeah. No, not Simaraj, it was the other one. Misana. Misana, mm. is she the one who's the teacher? Yeah, yeah, she was the one who's the teacher, but she wasn't good enough for her first choice university. So, <laughs> so she taught them all the <laughs> ultimate lesson. Right. Yeah, so this school's kind of more of a research institution. And uh, it's full of various inventors and schemes and stuff. And there's a lot of really good ones. Yeah, they have a mad science fair. Yeah, they do. It's not, I mean, some of it's mad science, some of it's pretty boring, honestly. I forgot a good way to build roads. Well, you know, it's boring to us, but for them... It's, it's good. It's good. It's really yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, they've got, like, aqueducts. They've got, like, what was it, uh, auto auto threshers or something like that? They yeah, were... yeah, they, yeah, like farm implements that, that Rand totally gets behind. This is great. Yeah. But, you know, the, the head of the school, Adrian Tarsen, is the woman that built that giant ballista that shoots spears a kilometer and, and impales a man. Yeah. And I kind of I have this feeling like Rand is sort of thinking in the back of his head, I was expecting more stuff like that. <laughs> he's, I think he says it. He's like, I, I wonder if any of these people are thinking about weapons by chance, you know? Just you know, out of curiosity. I, don't, I mean, I'm not trying to tell you guys how to do your jobs, but if you came out with one of those, you know, spear chuckers, that'd be pretty cool, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but somebody made a plane, right? Was, she talks about it. Yeah, she has a design for it. Yeah. Yeah, or, or is it a plane or is it a hot air balloon? It seems she seems to be talking about airflow and, and she copying wings from the shape of birds' wings. No, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is the the key element to powered flight. There's also a steam engine. A steam engine. Yeah. Which is wow. huge. This is like, I mean, just from a technological progress standpoint, this is way more important than anything else that's ever happened in these books. And the guy even knows it. He's like, if I figure this thing out, this is going to change the world. And they're like, yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Like, you're fine, man. He's, like, he's covered like, in burns. Really nice brass work on that. <laughs> yeah. Because he has no idea. Yeah, he has no idea. But the, yeah, that, that steam engine inventor is having a rough time. Yeah. So he meets with a Herod Fell, who's just sort of a absent-minded professor type who has lots of obscure knowledge. He's like Rand's new traveling Wikipedia now that uh, he doesn't have Loyal anymore. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, where is Loyal? Oh, he's in, in the Two Rivers. rivers. Yeah, I yeah. think. He's Perrin's walking Wikipedia. Yeah, right. Do you think he's, Do you think he left? We haven't seen him this entire book. Do you think he's traveling with Perrin or do you think he's staying in Two Rivers? Uh, he's got to be with Perrin. Yeah, Let's staying so. in Two Rivers to write the story about him. Oh, I, hope yeah. he, I hope he comes back. I miss that guy. He's He's got a nose for a good story and so far the Two Rivers has been a more interesting story. Than the rest <laughs> that is true. Uh, but, so Rand types break water bond into his you know his search engine, <laughs> and unfortunately there are zero results found. <laughs> yeah, nope, don't know how to do that. Uh, but Herodville makes some really good points about the Wheel of Time and the Dark One's prison. Like, you know, the wheel, you know, time is a wheel. When they found it, it was whole. There was no patch in it. So that means at some point, somebody has to fix it up like new. You can't just patch it up. Or, or maybe they drilled in where the patch was. And they just, the patch was so good that they didn't know it. Not like the patch now, which is kind of crappy and things are leaking out. Not the seals, like a patch, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, his logic is 
I mean, as far as yeah. we know the, about the way everything works, it's sound, right? Yeah, yeah. I also like his random, uh, like, he really does forget that Rand is the dragon. Like, he has, like, an offhand comment. Like, he like, just between you and me, I don't think he's actually the creator. And he's like, he's talking about Rand. <laughs> I think it's pretty funny. You can see why Rand likes him, you know? Yeah, yeah. I would hang out with this guy. Oh, yeah, all for sorts sure. Of good knowledge. He even invites me. He's like, you should come study with me. Stop doing whatever it is you're doing and come, come <laughs> study with me. And Rand's like, oh, you know, I have to save the world and shit. <laughs> yeah. So we cut to Egwene, who is looking for Rand in the palace and encounters Sorely. And Sorely tries to get her to marry an Aiel? Yeah, this is, this is a weird... Like... Yeah, just uh, talk about her birthing hips and saying, those are made for babies, you should go make some babies. Yeah. Which is a weird thing to say to somebody who's nice to die, or... I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, and I, I think Egwene is all caught up in Aiel BS. Yeah. She cares a lot about their, their Giato and their way of life and what the wise one thinks and so forth, so I don't know. I think it's not very useful stuff for her to be doing. Yeah. But she came to ask Rand's help with the wise ones... Uh, to get the wise ones to let her go dreamwalking again. And Rand is there, so they meet for a while, and it's just like old times. I know, they're just like fighting like siblings. <laughs> yeah. Yet again. But, uh, but this is frustrating because, as we, as we discussed previously, it is in everyone's best interest for Elaine to be here. And Rand makes a really good case for this. He's a legitimate need to know where Elaine is because... I mean, people. you have to wonder how many people are dying and suffering every day because of what's going on right now in Andor and Kyrian. Andor's not as bad as Kyrian, but if Elaine were to be, you know, settle all this, were able to settle all of this, it would save lives. It would, it would solidify a huge part of his power. I mean, Elaine should be here, right? And Egwene knows where Elaine is and will not tell him. Yeah, yeah, I... I... It seems really aggravating to me. It, it feels definitely like the wise ones are working against him. Well, yeah. it's confusing, too, that he doesn't know about Saladar because it seems like it's the worst kept secret. Right. Everyone knows what and, Saladar yeah, is. Yeah, and he's like all over the place talking to people literally all over Randland. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know? Yeah, that's a really good he point. Why doesn't he know? Yeah, Pedro Nial knows where Saladar is. <laughs> it's true. Elida knows where Saladar is. Yeah. Why does Rand not know where Saladar anyway, is? So Rand offers to help in exchange for her just telling him where Elaine is. Yeah. And of course she won't help him because Egwene doesn't help anybody but herself. Yeah, this, this interaction goes... Really, really weird, I guess. Well, I honestly think Rand handled this perfectly, you know? Yeah. She's like, he's like, you know, quid pro quo, right? You, you're not going to help me. You're going to be working against me with the wise ones, you know, but I'll deal with you, you know? Yep. And Rand, Rand is she right. She gets mad and storms off. Yeah. And, and, and this is, to me, this is actually a, a really sad scene because for Rand, Egwene was, you know, you, you could count on one hand the people who he could consider confidants from his childhood, right? And he, this interaction makes it clear to Rand that Egwene's not one of those people anymore. Uh, so he's got, what, Matt and Perrin and maybe Nynaeve, he, we guess, right? But yeah. but Egwene was someone who was nearby and he was like, at least I can talk to you like a human. And she's like, nah, sorry, dude. <laughs> yeah. It seems yeah, like right. it, it seems like it hurts him a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. So then chapter 19, Matters of Toe, with the icon of the lion. Just in case anyone was missing them, we have another Rand nightmare. <laughs> this is a pretty cool one, yeah. I thought. Got a little dash of Luz Theron madness. Yeah, it's like a Luz Theron dream where he's dreaming about, you know, towering cities and 
cars that look like Beatles or something, which, you know, those could be VW Beatles. <laughs> no, it's definitely uh, a memory of a... Yeah, and airplanes or Joe Wings or whatever they're called, except yeah. everything goes crappy and they all fall out of the sky and everything burns. And I guess it's not that great to be Luz Theron. Oh, yeah, because I think he has some memory of murdering his wife or something that mm -hmm. Rand lives that, that in a dream. I'm sure that's not fantastic. Yeah, that's not super fun. And so Rand eventually heads back to Camelin because the word is out that he's in Kyrian, so there's all these lords and ladies and stuff trying to do the game of houses on him. Uh, so he takes a powder again. Yeah, this is this is a... This is another weird array of people, you know. We we, we see it in the palace, but then we, you've got what is it? You've got an entourage of wise ones. We've got an entourage of Terran lords, an entourage of Kyrian lords, and they're all just like, I guess, picking at each other. Not 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 directly, but they're they're all suspicious of each other, and it feels like a powder keg, you know. Yeah, but. But yeah, but yeah. Rand bails. Sorry, everyone, I'm out. Yeah, I can't. I can't even right now. <laughs> Yeah. And he heads back to Camelin, and there's a lot of business about Rand's relationship with the Maidens. And let's see, I don't know, it's, all, it's hard to recap this because like nothing happened. I guess he actually starts talking to Avienda now. Yeah, he actually has a conversation. Forever. Like halfway through the book, he has a conversation about his feelings, sort of, with Avienda. And uh, Avienda tells him a little bit about some wise one dreams that totally jive with Egwene's. Yeah, these are, I guess, more dream prophecies, kind of interesting stuff. The yeah. last one is definitely about that weather Terran Real. Yeah, a bowl. Though it's a little unclear, you know, what the additional context is, except if it falls in the wrong hands, it's real bad. You know, I think that's the idea. Mm. There's a part I really enjoyed when Rand tells Avienda that he feels like he knows Ayo culture pretty well now, and she starts listing all these random, like, things he doesn't know, like... Why does a man listen to his second mother before his own mother and a woman to her second father before her own? When can a woman marry a man without making a bridal wreath? When must a roof mistress obey a blacksmith? Like all these random things. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, make, I got no idea. Yeah, which make you realize how crazy their culture is. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, layers of propriety and hierarchy. It's mm -hmm. weird. And yeah, there's, they have a talk and Avienda basically says that uh, she's torn between two different obligations. Her toe is really weird because of some reason she won't tell Rand. And Rand doesn't understand. And, you know... And it has to do with her being forced to hang out near Rand, I guess. I guess? But it's really unclear. It's it's all very... Uh, yeah. You know, not on the surface. Uh, and, uh, and that's pretty much it. That's all that happens. Yeah. I still... Yeah. I just... I, I can't wrap my head around Rand's infatuation with Avienda. It's still bewildering to me because they've... They have had maybe a handful of positive interactions, but mostly they're they're terrible when they interact. Yeah, I mean, I like that one really positive interaction they had in that igloo. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, I mean, is that it's just like, you she was the first time, so... You never forget your first. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, Even if it's a, a warrior woman teleporting you to the other side of the world, <laughs> no matter how mundane it is. <laughs> but still, yeah. But I guess it all went pretty poorly. Avienda's talking about... I guess in her mind, the toe requires either killing Rand or killing herself, and that's like okay. Well. Right. Yeah, but she can't do either of those things, so she's just really upset or something. Yeah, unclear. So that's it for this episode. Next time, we're going to cover chapters twenty through twenty-four of Lord of Chaos. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan at Alice M Sullivan. And I'm Micah Spartan. I still don't have one of those. 
If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. We love hearing from you. Uh, please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash club. Uh, and there you can see our other podcast, MWA, Muggles with Attitude, about the Harry Potter series. Please like us in real life. We're just so likable. Until next time. The, the light illumine you. you.